Welcome back to the Rock This Life podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Miller. This is season one, episode eight. And today's interview is with a good friend of mine, Sarah Azad. She's a mom of two adorable boys, the founder of Humble Baby, a really awesome baby gear line. And we actually sat down a little less than a year ago, right when she was getting ready to launch Humble Baby, which she now has launched the first collection of products, a great line of baby products. Actually, my daughter's favorite blanket that she sleeps with every single night is a Humble Baby blanket. Um, And she's getting ready to release her new stroller bar, which is patent pending and super exciting, total game changer for parents. Um, But yeah, we sat down and talked about what it was like for her growing up as the daughter of an immigrant and entrepreneur and how her parents inspired her to become an entrepreneur herself and then what that process was like when after kids she decided to start creating products a little bit about her process how she came up with her ideas how she got started you know how you come from concept to reality and then how she stays balanced as she pursues this entrepreneurial life while being a mom to two young kids. So a really great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here today. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. This is so fun. (laughs) I know. Isn't it super fun? Before we get started, uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media? Yes, you can find me personally. I had to make my stuff public. Um, Sarah Garcia Azad. S-A-R-A-H, Garcia, G-A-R-C-I-A, and then Azad, A-Z-A-D. That's on Instagram. I also have my website for product, which is um, continually growing and adding to the collection, which is Humble Bebe. That's H-U-M-B-L-E, Bebe, like the French spelling, <laughs> B-E-B-E. Why do we always do that, right? I don't know. It's I think we like offend. I'm super sorry annoying for offending. American thing. <laughs> sorry for offending Eddie any of our Frenchy friends, but it is a uh, humblebebe.com. Uh, uh, so you grew up in a large family in Los Angeles. You're one of seven children. Yes. yes. That is so yeah, so my mom, um, I have a, my oldest brother and sister. I have half brother and sister. Um, my mom became a mom very young at 17. So she really knows that single life and struggle as a mom. And then her and my dad met and had five more. <laughs> kind of crazy. That so, is which is like unique for growing up in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, definitely. And like, we didn't grow up wealthy. So, you know, we were rocking the, the minivan and bunk hey, beds don't sleep and on the minivan. beds and pull-out <laughs> beds. And yeah, we were in like a three-bedroom house. It was pretty colorful. It was fun. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and your dad was a scrapbook metal recycler? Scra- <laughs> what is this? Scra- <laughs> scrap metal. Scrap metal. Yes, not scrapbook. <laughs> I was like, how does, uh, please explain. I'm curious. <laughs> There's a whole lot of scrapbooking that needs to be recycled. Um, <laughs> yes. So he was an immigrant from Mexico and literally started off in the streets of LA, like East LA, driving a pickup truck, picking junk up off the road on the streets and alleys uh, to bring to recycling places. And he learned the business um, working literally in a junkyard. So that was how he started off and, you know, accumulated enough junk to, you know, buy a small yard and then machinery and balers and trucks and hired some people, which is most of my family. My dad is one of 21 brothers I'm sorry, 21 actual human being siblings. Yeah, yeah. 
How does that even, I mean, as a mother, I mean, I I cannot have my children vaginally. They have to be cut out of me. So I think that (laughs) the doctors would cut you off. 21 that are from the same woman are father. No, 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 no. My grandmother had five children. Okay. And when my dad was like nine months old, his mom died. She Uh. died tragically. So then here's my grandpa widowed with five kids. So he remarries and they have three children of their own. And then I believe the story I was told, I'm sure I'm going to get fact corrected <laughs> by my 50 first cousins, but, <laughs> but that wow. there was an accident. Um, there was an earthquake in Mexico. The house had collapsed and it killed her and two of her children when they were babies kind of in bed with her. There was one child that survived from that accident. He was found, I think, like two days later. Um, he's, he's fine. He's my uncle. He grew up healthy. And then he remarried. Um, his last wife, Josefina, and they had 10 more. And when they were married, she had three children of her own from a previous marriage. So our family is <sighs> so colorful and so I mean, fun. how do you even get places with a family that size? You need a whole school bus. Oh, you don't. You, li- you live on a ranch. And, <laughs> you just don't yeah, go anywhere. No, no. Now, is that how you no, learn to be like a different. rodeo? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad's like a real, real ranchero. Like if you met him, he's, he looks like the guy in the tapatio bottle, like a big mustache. I love he's it. He's very, very proud Mexican. Um, and also like tries to be fancy because, you know, he grew up here and his business and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, That's it's fun. Awesome. But yeah, but we basically grew up as kids. My mom was Scotch Irish, Polish, like blue eyed blonde. So when they met, my dad was working at the junkyard. My mom was a hairdresser okay. for the wife of his boss, basically. Oh. So she, you know, would often be at the yard or this and that. And, and basically was always talking up my dad being like, oh, you need to go to the yard and meet Gabriel, <laughs> this hunky green eyed Spaniard. He's so handsome. <laughs> so sure enough, my mom, single mom, like got brave one day and. She recalls the story so sweetly of putting on her like suede go-go boots and her mini skirt. And she had long red hair and she went down there to meet him. And the whole way there was trying to talk herself out of it. She was just like, what am I doing? You don't go to junkyards (laughs) to meet men. And sure enough, they saw each other. It was like instant love at first sight. And my dad did not speak English. So he, you know, he just fumbled through like you, me, Friday night. <laughs> and my mom was smitten. She's like, sure, let's go out. And, you know, 40 years of marriage later and a gang of kids. So it was neat because my mom grew up, um, you know, not ever having any money. She grew up in, in Linwood, um, kind of a poor neighborhood. And at that time it was. And didn't have much, but always dreamed of having horses. And here my dad grew up with horses. So for him, it was like as their life grew, as his career grew, as the business grew, as like they started to get some money. Mm-hmm. Of course, her a birthday present, she gets her own horse. Aww. And then when we went to move into a house, we moved into like a fixer upper, but it had horse property. Yeah. So like these kind of things where they were able to really pursue what they loved and surround us with it. So yeah. our weekends and summers were really kind of spent in Mexico. They bought a ranch um, the year I was born. And so it was like, you know, motorcycles and Jeeps and shooting guns and horses. <laughs> and that's that was really kind of my my childhood outside of the city. So. I love it. And how did your childhood kind of or having a father who is so like entrepreneurial inspire you to do the same with your own life and career? Yeah, it, it did exactly that. I think 
having a father who never worked for anybody else. He wasn't educated. Um, mm. He didn't have a nine to five. So, and he knew that. He literally learned how to speak and read and write English by helping us with our homework late at night. Um, so because of that, there was such a sense of hustle where my dad sheltered us a lot from it. He wouldn't bring home the, you know, the stress. So the struggle of like, you know, guys, we may not have a house next week. Um, mm. And I think it's because he just, he pushed through it and he hustled and he hustled and he, his business grew the way it should have. It grew organically, but really well. Mm -hmm. And he also made sure that we knew. So when we would take two weeks and take off to the ranch and we'd be like cruising in our Jeep and playing. I remember conversations with my dad and we would all be like, you know, cruising around in the back of the Jeep. He'd be like, kids, you guys having fun? Yeah. Are you happy that daddy's here with you? Yeah, this is great. Do you know why daddy can be here with you? Mm. Do you know why we have this ranch? Because I get to be my own boss. And when I want to take a trip with you kids, I take a trip with you kids. And of course, we were little kids and we're like, yeah, dad's the boss. You're the badass. <laughs> like, you know, he was, I think he right. just wanted us to like stroke his ego and yeah. be like, you're awesome. Uh, uh, but yeah. really, I grew up knowing that we had this freedom to take a trip, to go somewhere, to have an experience. Um, and experiences change. Like as the business grew and as he had a little bit more money, then it was like, you know, one year we all got these little like, I don't know, rabbit pelt fur jackets and felt like fancy mm -hmm. little princesses were like that. We never had that before. Right. And all of a sudden now mom's driving a nicer SUV and mm -hmm. like, you know, instead of the Mitsubishi boom chicka boom box minivan, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like we just saw them kind of growing into things. Um, but he made sure that we knew like how this comes from hard work. This yeah. comes from hustle. And also I think all of us had experiences of working in the junkyard. Mm -hmm. I mean, we spent summers where it was 105 degrees. You're in the heart of Compton. You're mm -hmm. nowhere close to the beach. You're not at summer school. You're not at summer yeah. camp. Like you're literally in a junkyard. Yeah. So um, that's exactly where every yeah. teenage girl wants to be. Exactly. <laughs> in exactly. her summer. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> but it taught yeah. you important things like how to create this life that your father did for you guys, for yourself and your kids to be able to have that freedom. Um, you now, before you had kids, you were a bunch of different things, a product developer sure. for makeup, yeah. I believe. How? Yeah, I, I stumbled into that. I really did really stumble. I was literally in college studying general business stuff and I was waitressing and got an opportunity to go work for a nonprofit organization with handicapped and uh, mentally challenged adults. Mm -hmm. And my job was basically to find them work. And it was almost like a workshop. They had classes half the day and they'd go for an hour or two into like a warehouse and do assembly work. So they right. would assemble makeup kits that were sold on QVC ah. or things like that. And they loved it. One of the accounts that I brought in was Smashbox Cosmetics. And this is okay. like 20 years ago when they were first going to QVC. Right. Um, and that kind of threw me into operations and production and purchasing and warehousing. And I really learned the back end of the cosmetic industry. I started working for Smashbox and then had an opportunity to go over to Guthy Ranker, which was very mm. corporate and buttoned up. Yeah. People know Guthy Ranker by Proactive Skincare. And then they also partnered and did a lot of celebrity brands. So I got to work on the new beauty division, which means I got to put my fingers in 
Cindy Crawford's Meaningful Beauty when oh, it came yes. to packaging development there. Or my husband was obsessed yeah. with Cindy Crawford's yeah. Meaningful Beauty for it's, quite it's some very time. Meaningful. It's <laughs> meaningful for my it. resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is meaningful. Yeah, there was like Jane Seymour and Susan yeah. Lucci and like um, Victoria Principal and a lot of these brands that you know I don't even know if they're still around right now, um, but it was great. So then from there, I had an opportunity to work on a startup and that was phenomenal because I got mm -hmm. to wear all the hats. I was there for like seven years, everything from product development, formulation and packaging and engineering. And I mean, the whole thing. And I actually dropped out of school. I dropped oh. out once I started working because I'm like, oh, I found Fun. my niche. Yeah. I love this. I'm good at this. I can learn this. Now, when you had kids, why didn't you go back to what you were doing before? Great question. I think one was the fact that I think I knew I didn't want to work for somebody else. Mm. So I knew I wanted to have my own schedule. I wanted to have freedom. I wanted to have control over it. And I knew I was capable. And I think given not only my dad, but most of my sisters are entrepreneurs, like pretty mm. much our whole family ended up following that same path. Um, not in scrap metal, but in whatever pursuits they have. Right. I have a sister who's a chef. I have another one who owns a, she owned a pet grooming business. So everyone does their own thing. So your thing. dad's little talks did something. Yeah. <laughs> and he never made us, he never pressured us to take over the business. He was right. just like, do what you love, do it really well mm. and go kick some butt, like whatever it is, which was very freeing. Even to this day, he's like, I'll sell the company. You guys don't yeah. need to do junk. Scrapyard. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Dad. It's not as fun as lipstick. That's okay. My dad is in water and sewer distribution. And, there you go. And nobody in the family has yet <laughs> tangled excited. to take over. <laughs> He's still trying to finish, figure out his transition plan and yep. thinking that maybe one day one of us will wake up and want to sell pipes. But it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Sorry, Pops. So you um, knew you wanted to create something for yourself. I, I did. And I kind of knew I, I was very, very fortunate to be able to take a break um, when my babies were, were I, you know, my boys are 19, 20 months apart mm -hmm. and they um, having a back to back. I was I just felt really lucky that my husband was we were in a position that he could say really enjoy motherhood and just right. be full time with them. And very early on, I started stirring. I was yeah. just like, oh, my God, like I need to do more. Yeah. Some and, of us are not wired to like sit in that yeah. just being home with your kids. And I think it's beautiful that some women are and feel totally comfortable and fulfilled. Totally. And part of me being envies home. that. I do too. <laughs> I but, wish. You know, I just... and there's and there's days where I, you know, I wake up and I go to the park and I spend all day with my kids. So I, you know, I stay home full time, but I also work from home while I'm home with the kids. Exactly. Because for me, after my first, it was really hard. I got this, you know, about six months in where I was like, ah, where am I? Exactly. Where am I? Exactly. So I get that like stirring. It's a different drive. I just think it's a different part of your brain mm -hmm. that needs to be fed. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's, it's, great and I think it's really easy to see it in other parents and other mothers mm -hmm. when you see a working parent or working mom who's choosing to mm -hmm. work versus having to work um agreed you know and, and there's also for me I have felt so much judgment on that because and I've been asked straight mm -hmm. out like wait Sarah why if you don't financially have to mm -hmm. work why are you working 
And then they put on that guilt of like, why are you doing that? Your kids are young. They need you now. Or, oh, they grow so fast. You're going to miss it. Or, geez, it'd be so fun. I'd love to just go to mommy and me and play at the park all day. And they don't understand that. Yes, I love those things. And I also really love a different kind of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I love knowing that my brain is being challenged and working and I'm bringing a different purpose to the world. So that's kind of why I didn't go back into makeup. I was so deep into the cosmetic world for so long. And just when I left, it was right when the social media, um, you know, Facebook was huge. Instagram wasn't really around, mm-hmm. like big as big, like starting. five years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, makeup artists were putting out content on YouTube, but there wasn't this need that like, if you're going to start a company, you need to be the face of your brand and you need to be blogging and you need to be on camera every single day and posting on Instagram. That today if you want to launch a cosmetic brand is where you need to be and who you need to be yeah and i knew beauty's fading i'm close to 40. i don't want to have to be front and center (laughs) Uh, by the way this is a podcast but sarah azad is beyond gorgeous (laughs) and you would never guess you are 40 because you're like just blushing Absolutely beautiful human being inside and out. But the outside legit is enviable for a 20 year old, let alone a 40 year old. So I I get a little little help. I just have to. Thank you. Hey, I I believe in cosmetics. We all get by a little help, my friends. If we do. (laughs) Even if those friends are named Botox. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I swear, the moment that I like was done breastfeeding the last one, I was like, oh my God, I'm free. I'm free to go it. get my Botox. Yeah, I'm going to get old yeah. and wrinkly like nature yeah. intended. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that's great, as you should. I, I don't even like I, getting a flu shot. I don't I, need those. I'm going to be the 80-year-old, really weird, plastic-looking lady. <laughs> as long as you don't get those lips. The lips are what kills me. So I'm like, yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just, yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for, for um, modern medicine and the changes in technology that we yeah. don't have to get like the that bad facelift that you can yeah. see was done in like the ni- early 1980s. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Things Ooh. start to sag around it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, so but you thank you for the compliment. The, the, like, I, I knew that, that like I just didn't was want not. to be, I knew, I knew I didn't want to work for another brand and I knew I didn't want to be um, the face and uh, to, to have to be a model for my brand around beauty. Like I am very much so a vain person. I very much so like I like my hair did. I like to put on my face. I want my makeup done. That's to make me feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I'm not comfortable with that outside judgment. Right. And you have it's to be hard. okay. You with have it. to have a thick skin. It's, totally, because people are nasty. No, and I grew up in LA, but I didn't grow up in the industry. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've done hair and makeup for years for celebrities, but I've never wanted to be one. Yeah. Um. That's it's never never been a thing for me, and yet. I knew too, I'm like, you know, I have a feeling taking a break from cosmetics and going deep into mommyhood, like you are exposed to so many great products that you mm-hmm. never needed to use, whether it's like a pop-up bathtub or it's, you know, the new yeah. bag or the new gadget or like, how do I carry this pacifier? Yeah. Like there's something for everything. There's something <laughs> for everything. It's like a huge market. And I knew being a product geek that I would probably find my home there and mm-hmm. i'm like let me just see where it goes because i love technical things right. so i could see maybe like redesigning or engineering a new breast pump or right. bottles or something that's really a challenge okay. so you stumbled upon creating this 
line of baby products or baby related products and you started with cloth diapers and that's what you launched humble baby with why cloth diapers <laughs> yeah super why random. cloth diapers it, it is super <laughs> random I think it's especially random for me. Did you, you cloth would, diaper your children? Well, you would think it'd be like the hippie mom who's like living in Michigan. You're and not. I'm like never home, always on the go, live in West LA. Like I'm yeah. not, you wouldn't think You're it'd not, come from yeah. me. Um, for me, it was really like an environmental thing in the sense that, you know, this right when I had my babies, right when kind of honest um, diapers launched mm-hmm. and I got really annoyed because you'd hear people, oh yeah, these are biodegradable. These are biodegradable. I'm like, they're not biodegradable. <laughs> they're made from out of better, they're made out of recycled materials. So they're they're manufactured in a more responsible way, but they're still gonna sit in a landfill mm. for five hundred years before they decompose. They are not they are not made of something that literally can dissolve and go back into the earth. Mm-hmm. So they're taking less resources from the earth, but they're still putting junk and like just dumping it. And then when I started to kind of play around with doing the math of diapering, I learned that on average, you know, most, some of our kids potty train really early. We were mm-hmm. lucky that ours potty trained very early. Um, thanks to cloth Mine diapering. Did not. Yeah, no, yeah. Ours, <laughs> it was uh, four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't push it. Yeah, no, but cloth diapering also helps that because yeah. they're they're wet, they wet, they feel wet, they're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. they don't want to be in it. So our boys were at two years old, like wow. out of diapers, which was pretty awesome. And sleeping through the night, like we only had to do pull ups until three with one of them, and the other one not at all. Hmm. Yeah, pretty good, That's pretty awesome. cool. But anyway, I just did the math and realized that basically. Each of my boys would be putting between 3,000 up to 5,000 diapers in a landfill. And I was like, wait a minute. a lot of poop. I was like, wait a minute. That means every single kid I see, not even that. I look around on the street and I'm like, your diapers, my diapers, my husband's diapers, they're still sitting somewhere rotting. (laughs) So So, like 500 (laughs) years. And I, so it was just my little thing where I'm like, you know what? My um, carbon footprint is not fantastic. But if I can do one thing to give my baby mm. from the start and say, when from the moment that you were born, you didn't contribute to this, um, that's cool. And I also have a great wash, washer and dryer. That's yeah, the that was changer. the thing for me. I mean, we have front loaders. Yeah. And like, A, I just didn't want to deal with it. Ooh, I'm going to show you. And because we B, have front loaders too. I just <laughs> didn't want to deal with it. I was like, what? I mean, what do you do when you're like out? I have so many questions and we'll talk about them in another I know. dedicated video to cloth diapering. But like, for example, when you're out and about and there's like a yeah. big old poopy diaper, like what, I would just throw it away. Like, I can't, I can't deal with it. Like, when my kids have blowout <laughs> diapers, I'm oh, terrible. Yeah, that's bad. If they have like blowouts and we're like not at home, yeah. like everything just gets trashed. Yeah. I'm like, I can't deal yeah. with it. That's bad. Well, and when you're are when you're an out and about kind of mom, you do you do you do pick and you choose. I learned very early on when we took our first trip and I tried to cloth diaper. I'm like, it's a road trip. We have a car. We'll bring them back. Yeah. Oh no 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 no. no. That was that seems stinky like a, situation. Yeah. Mm-mm. Even with a <laughs> double bag. A bag. There's not no. enough bags in the no. world to keep so, that yeah. stench. So we weren't. So I wasn't hardcore. I never was okay. hardcore to the point where we would literally travel with our poop and launder somewhere. No, no, no. So no. you would use disposables like on the go. I used disposables the if we were traveling um, somewhere like a Disneyland. If I was out all day, if I right. knew I was just out and about, I would still do my cloth. Okay. But there's these cool little liners. Imagine like a fabric softener. 
So like a thin, thin piece of like yeah. t- kind of tissue, but strong. That lays on top of the cloth diaper. So that like holds the poop. So what happens is that you can like lift the four little clean corners and And flush it down a toilet or toss it. And then you're just left with the cotton that's like still dirty, soiled, stinky, like. Right. You don't want to keep it on there. (laughs) Yeah. But not putting poop in your. But it's not solid. machine. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. So you settled on cloth diapers. Sure. Having a previous career in this kind of production world do you feel like that helped you in figuring out even where to start like I think there's a lot of people out there that have a product idea or they're like oh I want to create this or maybe I could be on Shark Tank you know thank God for Shark Tank we all want to like make our dreams come true thanks to Shark Tank but I feel like a lot of people have these great ideas and they just don't even know where to start so like how do you start how did you start I definitely, definitely my previous career helped me in a huge way, just understanding the different steps needed from a concept to a completion. I think things like cosmetics have 25,000 checkpoints because Mm -hmm. obviously it's going on your skin and there's safety and there's mold and there's bacteria and preservatives. You know, if you're, this was a piece of cotton that I was launching. It literally was like a sewn piece of cotton. Um, I really did it as an experiment because I wanted okay. to understand. I wasn't, it wasn't like I was like, I'm going to make a better cloth <laughs> diaper. I was just like, I just want to make some money on the side and I want to understand the Amazon model. I want to mm. understand how do I develop a product, sell on Amazon, really get good reviews, scale. How do we advertise? How do you throw advertising to it? Like just kind of as a little play experience. And my husband, is much more the expert on when it comes to studying the analytics and the whole back-end tech part. Um, but the best thing now is Alibaba. Alibaba is amazing because you can not only just shop on Alibaba and you can buy directly one or two pieces of random things from factories all over the world, mm-hmm. but you're literally communicating with a factory or with a broker. So if you're looking to like I don't know. I really want to make these cute pillows. Um, you could find a pillow manufacturer and then it shows right there what their MOQs are. What's their minimum order quantity? The prices start at $1.50 and you're like, oh my gosh, I can make a beautiful pillow. I know I could sell it for $30. I yeah. can make this for $1.50 and I only have to oh. start with 500 pieces. So like once you start to put it together and do the math, you can realize that there's it, it, it actually can be a lot easier than okay. you want. And Alibaba is a website where you Alibaba go. Alibaba is a website that is a sourcing site for factories. So imagine like LinkedIn, if you mm-hmm. put yourself on LinkedIn and you made your LinkedIn profile public and anyone could search for you and find you, a factory will go on there and say like, we make pillows and these are all the pillows and here's my portfolio of pillows and here's where we're located in Pakistan or India or China or wherever in the world. Um, and you literally can just like click contact the supplier and start talking with them. Okay. So it's really neat. The hard part is you don't, you know, you're not getting on a flight and flying there. Right. So you don't exactly know. So there are some really good vetting things on Alibaba where people have certain certifications. They've been Mm -hmm. um, vetted. They're ISO 9000. They've been there for 25 years. What is ISO 9000? They're just different, um, different testings, different, um, different levels of certification for factories. Okay. 
So showing that like environmentally um, friendly or like not using child labor. Yes. That, okay. Yes. So there's a couple of factories I started working with because they have some certifications that are very, very, very difficult to get in China. Gotcha. But what that certification is, it's a social responsibility to the employees. Mm. So it's saying that we, how much we take care of, whether it's their housing, whether it's the education for their children, it's their work environment. It's basically the, the, the employees have been interviewed by an outside organization. How happy are you? Do you like going to work every day? Yeah. You may find really low quantities and cheap stuff and be like, sweet, this is great from some random factory. But yes, it could be done in very small villages, mm -hmm. um, child labor. You just, you got to be careful who you work with. Yeah. And then there's brokers. There's brokers who like, they are the ones who have 25 years of experience and you just let them do the work and source it. Okay. You know, and they speak English and they'll get back to you on time and it's yeah. just easier. So there's, it's, it's, it's. It's a process, yeah. but it's really, really fun. And it's one of those things that you literally can have zero experience. Just start emailing, figure it out. And I think most of us have a friend somewhere who's launched something. And right. you just ask them, like, hey, can you give me like the 10 point checklist yeah. on like how to do this? <laughs> right. You know, get a quote, place an order, man you know, contact freight forwarding and shipping, like, it's, yeah, it's, so like just it's okay. like planning a party, but it's you're instead of getting tables and chairs and a musician, you're, <laughs> you're getting your goods getting a on a boat and, and you're bringing them here. So then you get do you contact them and you get like a sample and then you go back and forth and tell them like this? No, I don't want the yes. seam here. Or I want yes. it thicker there. Or yeah. I want a softer cotton and and then you just keep going back and forth. And exactly. then when it's set, then you say, OK, I'm going to take 500. Yep. And then you just put them on Amazon and hope for the best. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. There's probably like 50 steps in between there. Um, now, you said, you know, you started on Alibaba, but I know you've also taken trips to China mm -hmm. to actually see these uh, factories and work with the manufacturers there. What did you gain from actually going to China? What made the decision to actually go there as opposed to just continuing to deal online? Sure. Um, great question. Well, my first gain was... 10 days of freedom from my, oh my children. God. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. Although it wasn't like, so the trips that I took were around a very big trade show. A lot of people know about it. Anyone in the industry for sourcing or retailers, whatever, it's called the Canton Fair. Okay. And it's a huge show. There's one in the spring and one in the fall. And um, you could be a retailer. You could decide I'm going to have a boutique of baby products. I just want to go there and just buy stuff. Okay. Or I want to go meet manufacturers. I want to, create something original and conceptual. Mm. Um, and it's literally like 10 times the size of the Los Angeles Convention Center. It's massive. Wow. And it goes on for an entire month. So each wow. week, the entire show will break down and bring in a whole new slew of stuff. So there might be mm. one building that's dedicated to like outdoor patio furniture and then other ones that are like all shoes. Um, so this is like all products all across products in the, the board, world. like an entire month and like everything, everything. that's made everywhere yes. because everything's made in China yes. pretty much. Yes. Is, yes. That is so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. So one week will be all baby. Gotcha. And then there's, you know, or it's baby gear. So it's mm. all strollers and this and that. And the hard thing is, is regulations are different in each country. And this is an international show. Right. So I literally would roll up and I'm like, oh my God, this is the most amazing, lightweight, 
two pound pop up baby stroller ever. I need this. No, you and can never like, sell it in the US. Your market? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. You can't sell it there. Yeah. Can't do that. They're like, this is for Europe. This is for here. This is oh. for there. So it's really neat because you get to see cool stuff from everywhere. Yeah. But it's very hard when you're trying to show up, be productive and laser focused because right. it's like stimulation overload. So overwhelming. I would probably want to cry. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I went this last year. So this last year I went um, with another mommy friend of mine. She was in real estate and also working part-time, mm. has two boys. And I kind of drug her on with me and said, hey, why don't we, why don't you start developing some stuff for Amazon, girl? <laughs> so she came along with me. And that was, this year was much more fun having another friend with me, another mommy friend. You know, we were up at 6 a.m. to Skype with our kids. We would stay up yeah. till midnight so we could see the kids and connect with hubby. Oh I mean, it was exhausting but really need to kind of be in the trenches with someone else yeah. who is doing it with me. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, you know, Skyping from afar and doing this trip and being away from your kids is like the biggest question I think a lot of women may have is, you know, you have two kids under the age of five, you're launching a new business, going into this world that you kind of know about, but not really at all. How do you even carve out the time to devote to creating this? And how do you find that balance? Thank you. Well, the balance is <laughs> balance doesn't exist. Yeah, we all know that's a bad word. <laughs> the it B is. word. I say, I say, how do you seek balance? How do I seek it? It's like yes, this. Um, yes. you know, it's like this never-ending carrot dangling in front of us totally. that we're all just trying to find. Well, we still think it exists. That's it the doesn't exist. Thing. It's just like no. a. It's like the horizon. Yeah. Like you can keep going, but you're never gonna touch it. No. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is when I think about the word balance, I literally imagine a pendulum mm. on the left and the right. And I'm like, okay, well, if we put, hmm, if I put kids on the left and me on the right, well, that's not balance. I put uh, <laughs> daddy and kids on the left and I put my work on the right. Well, that ain't going to balance out. Like it's absolutely impossible. Yeah. So well, you got two whatever. kids, so put one on each side. Exactly. <laughs> one way is significantly more. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, like, what are yes, some things yes, you yes. do to, to create no, thank you. More well, balance in your life. Now, right now, life is exponentially better because of the fact that they are both in preschool. Mm. So both being in preschool, you know, I'm dropping off at 9 a.m. and then I get to pick up at 3 p.m. So it's a huge portion of the day that's mine. Before that, and I really launched the diapers when they were still really yeah, tiny were, and I was no. like nursing and they were both and Cyrus home. Cyrus was like, what, 11 months, I think? Um, Cyrus, what he was. I when think I he launched, was. yeah, yeah, yeah. He under was, a year, he was still small, and I was still nursing, and that whole deal. One, um, my husband is also an entrepreneur and works from home, mm -hmm. so that was a game changer because I knew he's a morning bird, so he mm -hmm. wakes up really early. He just wants to take them and have his time with them, um, which is amazing. So whether it was like first thing in the morning, the diaper changes or taking care of that. Mm -hmm. He was really excited and proud to do that. And now as they're older, they wake up and they run to the gym. My husband's up at like 4.30 in the morning, 5 gotcha. a.m. He's writing, he's doing, you know, he's working doing out. Work. Yeah. They work out with him. That's awesome. So that, that, I literally wouldn't, I'd be quite frazzled if I didn't have his support. Mm -hmm. um, and he loves it. I mean, he'll, he wakes up so early. So I'm not a morning bird. So I'll mm -hmm. stumble out of bed at like 7.30 in the morning and he's already getting breakfast started. And then it's, We're, it's I'm coming in like, in where household. can I help? <laughs> like, can I help pack the lunches? Like yeah. I'm almost tiptoeing around him as opposed to like me managing it all. And then him coming in, can I help you? Mm -hmm. So that's really great because the morning he just kind of rocks it. And then the evening is 
I love to cook. So gotcha. I want I want to cook and he gets to play and manage them or he'll get them in mm. the bath. So I think having him around has been massive. Like I wouldn't be successful at doing anything if it wasn't for that. Um, I've also learned from him delegation mm. where I've never had anyone to delegate. And he said, look, if you have, you know, it's it's a numbers game. When you look at like the money you have to spend, I would literally give up getting a mani-pedi just to have somebody come in and do my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, we all, I would yeah. definitely yeah. give up a mani-pedi yeah. for like, somebody to yeah. do my laundry. Exactly. So I now, won't let you in the back bedroom because so, there's a mountain of laundry that needs go. to be folded and put away. And there it's just, I had to remove it from this room because I couldn't look at it while podcasting. I know, I know, right? Oh, <laughs> out of yeah, sight, no. out of mind. <laughs> yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Um, so yeah, so I think having some help and, and being able to like have a housekeeper come and do, do some, the heavy lifting when it comes to cleaning, mm-hmm. The day-to-day tidying up, the day-to-day cooking, all of that we can handle. Um, but that's been a huge, huge help. And I think the other thing is knowing uh, when I had my boys close together, I got really good advice from from another mother who said, I remember when my boys were that young and my mission in life was to get their naps aligned. If you mm. can do that, that is a game changer. And I did. <gasps> and they napped. There's hope. <laughs> It's awesome. They're never up that late and they like to sleep and, you know, they don't nap as much during preschool, but yeah. yeah. So aside from having unicorn children that sleep magically through the day and help you, is there any other like tips, tricks, advice you have for moms that are trying to carve out time to create something for themselves that you've learned along the way or anything you'd like to share? Hmm. I think it's, I think the asking, being brave enough to ask for help Mm. is huge. I think that we all have this um, weight on us of feeling like, well, as a mother, I should be able to do this. I need to do this. I need to be able to handle this. I need to be able to get all this done myself. And, you know, I have a girlfriend of mine who is stay at home with her two boys and, and, you know, isn't, doesn't have any help. Um, and financially was in a position where she's like, I can't have a nanny, a babysitter, mm-hmm. housekeeper. Like I got to figure this out. And we figured out a solution and it's the YMCA and the YMCA has two hours of like a day mm-hmm. of childcare for your membership. That's like 75 bucks a month. Yeah. And this was a game changer, game changer. Yeah. I mean, this person went from being down and depressed and stressed to being like oh my god every single day I don't even have to like I can work out I can go sit in the sauna mm-hmm. I could sit and get my work done yeah I she's used a to, student I, she's a nursing same student with she's me. like writing yeah. at the YMCA I did the same thing yeah. I was struggling with postpartum feeling really trapped didn't have any family you know all our families on the east coast no support and so I did I joined the gym that had child care and yeah. it had two hours of child care and so the first hour I would go work out and the second hour, I would sit my laptop and I would write. Yep. And it was like the one window and it saved me because it was like that middle window of time. It's amazing. Yeah. So where there's a will, there's a way. And I feel like on any budget, you can find some way to be able to to get some support that way. And I think that most of the time we know. We know what we need. Mm. And our body tells us. We're like, oh, my God, I'm so tense. I'm so stressed. I need to just get on a bike and spin for an hour listen to some loud music like 
sometimes meditating doesn't work because you actually can't get out of your head. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need to go to like a step aerobics class and listen to music (laughs) so damn loud that you can't hear your own thoughts. Yeah. And you leave and you're like, I didn't think about anything for an hour. I sweat. I moved my body and oh my God, I feel lighter. So that's, that's big. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Now, so you've launched this line of cloth diapers. What is next for Humble Baby? Mm. Anything exciting coming up? So, yeah. So the trips to China, I've had, (laughs) you know, the stimulation overload at a trade show (laughs) has really led to product development ADD. Mm -hmm. I have like 35 products on the roster to launch. Wow. And kind of just need to get one at a time done. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, I have this really awesome stroller bar coming Ooh. out. So people are like, what is a stroller bar? Don't yes. strollers already <laughs> come with handlebars? Um, so this is a super cool invention that is very original, not on the market. Um, I have, I'm, it's in the process of being patented. It's patent pending right now. And it's basically, so you know how like an umbrella stroller has two handles? Mm-hmm. Super inconvenient. Super inconvenient <laughs> because nobody walks with two hands anymore. No, because um, you can't have coffee and push your kids in a yeah, stroller and, and you can't survive without coffee exactly. and the kids in the stroller. Exactly. <laughs> and like we all have a phone in our left hand, right? right. It's like whether we're listening to this There's podcast. Not hands. I have a phone well, and my coffee exactly. and then I got to also push the kids. Exactly. <laughs> or, you, or you're holding like your toddler with one hand right. and you're trying to push the baby in another hand. But I love my umbrella stroller because like they pop up small and they like are so compact and lightweight. So I got annoyed by my umbrella stroller and thought, why can't I create a handlebar that is the universal handlebar that can attach to any umbrella stroller and just like click turns in, turns a double handed into a single handed Mm. um, in like one simple click and it's easy to drive. So I designed this and it was awesome. And I got lucky. I met um, a former shark from Shark Tank. I was told by a friend, you know, they're like, you got to go talk to this guy. So I showed him my concept and he literally looked at me and was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. He's like, I've launched 500 products. This is amazing. He's like, you need to do this. I have some friends who literally that's all they do is development in babies. So they understand Mm. safety and safety regulations. Right. So I got hooked up with a really cool manufacturer um, that has offices in Duluth, Minnesota, started working with them. And I knew I could do it myself, but Mm. I was afraid. I didn't want to send this original brilliant concept you know, engineering designs across the ocean. Yeah. And like hope doesn't get knocked off. Yeah. And it'll still end up getting knocked off. But you're living the dream. It is Shark what it Tank. Is. <laughs> I am. So one day hopefully I'll I'll be on Shark Tank or not. Um but that's exciting. There's that. And then there's like these beautiful blankets and loveys and you know some items are very original and very functional and that I've designed that clearly have a purpose purpose. And there's mm-hmm. a couple other things that I'm like I just love this blanket because it's super soft, super warm. I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. It rolls up more compact than any other blanket. Like I want this. Um, So it's also like selfishly, if I launch things, then I can just have a plethora of my own blanket. (laughs) (laughs) You're just making products for yourself. I am. But that's what works, right? Like do what you you like and then... Hopefully exactly. somebody else shares your Exactly. <laughs> and there's just so much more in feeding. I think about like bottle feeding moms, like breastfeeding moms. Like I'm such an on the go person and I had to lug so much stuff around mm. that half the stuff I was carrying, I'm like, hmm, this could be smaller. This could yeah. be lighter. This could be easier. This is lame or this doesn't last and I don't, I feel bad throwing it in the landfill. Right. 
So how can I make it better quality? And then I look at the few quality of things that I've gotten or my sister has a seven-year-old literally mm-hmm. handed down products to me that I use for both of my children, handed them over to friends who've used for their children. They've circled back into my mm. garage and they're still perfect. That's a good and product. Like, that's a good product. Yeah. So that's really big for me. I really love reuse and recycle. I love that in mothering, we share our stuff. We hand it over to people. It doesn't, you know, rarely do we drop something off at a dump or a Goodwill, mm-hmm. where usually has somebody who needs it. So is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, yeah. I think I want to talk about my mom. Okay. Just because we, so we learn so much from our moms. And, um, you know, I lost my mom two weeks before I got pregnant with my firstborn. I had been trying for two and a half years to get pregnant. And my mom was um, diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So the whole time she was pregnant, I, I'm, the whole time she was pregnant, sorry. What time you were pregnant? Yeah. She was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And I was like helping my dad and kind of nursing her through this process. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my two of my sisters got pregnant. They both could experience that with my mom, which was Mm. amazing. Like I look back and I'm like, wow, not only for them to have my mother there um, for their birth, for the baby showers. I mean, she was in the delivery rooms with them. Mm -hmm. Um, She was there, the babies like first year, um, year and a half. That was amazing. So there was that little bit of jealousy there. Like I didn't get that. And at the same time, when I couldn't get pregnant, you know, I'm so frustrated. And my doctor and everyone's just like, this makes perfect sense. There's a reason you're not pregnant now. Like, it's not about you, honey. Mm. Right now you're serving your mother. And it's about her. And I have a good feeling that when her time comes, it'll be your time. And it's exactly what happened. And I literally, when she passed away, was at my weakest Mm. point. I hadn't slept. She was in hospice in our home for 17 days. They were like, oh, she might last like a few days. No, 17 days. So of not sleeping, of giving her, you know, helping her. life care. So there was that. So I was like underweight and stressed out. And I mean, I just so beyond. And here at that moment when I was at my weakest, malnourished, I mean, you name it, I get pregnant. It was amazing. And literally I started my period the day my mom died. So when the doctors are like, oh, so what's the first day of your last period? I like looked at them and I'm like, why? And I go tell them the date and they were like, well, that's the start of your pregnancy. And I started bawling thinking this is literally the day, the day, the moment my mom passed. And you're telling me that's the start of my pregnancy. What? It was very like Lion King, you know, like the circle of life. (laughs) It's incredible. I mean, it's incredibly sad and incredibly beautiful. It was. But it also like just set me up for what I didn't really realize, which was even though I have a lot of friends and I'm very lucky to have rich friendships, most of my richest friendships have come from motherhood, from mm-hmm. mommy and me, Same from here. all sharing our struggle. Where a lot of my friends that I had beforehand who don't have children, there isn't as much you know, to mm-hmm. connect with. But I went into motherhood still with this like loneliness, just loneliness, like, God, I just want to call her. I just want to pick up the phone. Yeah. I'm struggling with breastfeeding or I'm tired or... You know, how did she cook that meal or 
just that random knowledge, this random stuff that our moms know of not being able to do that. And, you know, I wasn't particularly tight with my sisters who are all spread out all over the country and our ages are very different. So, you know, just not having somebody, I think. So it felt really lonely, which is interesting because I thought, wow, I have family and I have friends and, you know, my mother-in-law is amazing. My sister-in-law is, I really scored with marrying into a family of just phenomenal people and phenomenal women. Um, But even that, you know, they're mothering their own boys and their own, they're busy. They don't have time to come over and help out. So that was really, really hard. Um, But I heard something once and I I forget, I really do forget exactly where it came from. It might've been like a podcast, honestly. And it was someone questioning, when you look back at your life, do you want your life to be an example or a warning? Mm. And the moment I heard that, I thought about my mom. Because example came up of nurturing, loving, creative. My mom cooked beautiful dinners and she Mm -hmm. was like a Martha Stewart and she made Christmas magical. And I could take the good, all the good that she had offered us, but then warning, 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 red lights just flashed. Because my mom died at 64 years old. Yeah. Because she didn't put herself first yeah. ever. And having seven kids and supporting everybody and not asking for help. Mm. You know, no, I don't want a housekeeper to come and clean because they never do it the way I want it to be done. <laughs> I'd rather just do it myself. There was this perfectionist in her. Mm-hmm. No, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. She would take it all on and was always serving, 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 serving so many of us and everyone else and never putting herself first. Mm-hmm. Whether it was what she was eating, she never exercised. She didn't have time for friends. Yeah. Who has time for friends? You have seven kids. I you have got, time you've got for a newborn, you've got a preschool, you have kids, one in, yeah, kids, we had one in elementary, one in junior high, one in high school. And we were almost all four years apart. Mm. So literally there was somebody in a different age at a different school at a different time with mm. no help. So with this, that hurry, scurry and hustle and bustle, I always remember us running late and I remember the yelling in the house and let's get out of the house, everybody. Come on, kids. And yet I don't know until now, looking back, what a toll that took on her. So I think the warning for me is, wow, I, if I don't take care of myself, I'm going down that same path. Mm. And I'm also kind of a carbon copy of my mom. You know, a lot of her ailments that she had physical ailments, I have. So my stomach, my digestion, my different, um, uh, I have arthritis in my neck and she, her arthritis really got bad. Mm -hmm. Um, she ended up her, her stomach issues turned into autoimmune disease. So then Mm. she was suffering with, you know, digestion and her, her gut and her, I mean, you name it, fibromyalgia pain. So it's not like she was like thriving and like this feeling great and chasing kids as this young grandmother and then boom, mm-hmm. got diagnosed with cancer. She'd been suffering mm-hmm. from like 55 years old on. So that warning was just really scary and really loud to say like, I'm working to build a business to afford freedom so that I can have fun. Because the freedom means I get to be at my kids' school events. The freedom means I get to pick them up at 3 p.m. and go to play dates. The freedom means I get to coach them on their soccer team, which I'm doing right now. And mm-hmm. I got to be an assistant coach with T-ball. Like, that's the fun stuff. Yeah. That's what we want to do when our kids are small. Yeah. So 
if I'm going to work my butt off to have the freedom, I want to be able to enjoy it, not be ailing and in pain. Mm -hmm. And I'm already starting to feel it. Like I'm feeling the pain and the migraines and this and the that. So it's already these like warning red lights flashing. So that's just my one, I think, if there's a takeaway, it's really like knowing that how important it is to take care of ourselves. And I feel like we see it, we hear it from other mothers, you know, nurture yourself and self-care. And you hear self-care and you think like, oh, that means putting a bath bomb in a bath and taking a nice rose into right. bath. Or drinking a glass of Franzia after the kids yeah. go to sleep. Like, <laughs> that, I'm sorry, that's, that's, not not, that's not exactly self-care. Like, like putting it's a, a little band-aid deeper on than it. that. Yeah. Exactly. And it is habit. And I think that when we're taking care of other people, it's fair. And I'm guilty of mm-hmm. it too. I, I will go months sometimes without exercising. Months. And I'm like, well, I'm chasing kids at a park all day. That's my workout. And then you realize, oh my gosh, my, I threw my hip out. I threw my back right. out. Holy cow, this hurts. How am I going to breastfeed my little one and lift my kid and wear an ergo and push a stroller when my back is out? But it wouldn't mm. have gone out if I kept my body strong. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. It's a whole prevention. I love it. I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's a challenge, but I'm it challenge. doing it. But it's, but like you said, it's, we give so much of ourselves as women and as mothers, but even not as mothers, I think it's just like human nature to like give, give, give as a woman to like support, to put others first. And it's really hard for us to do what we need, but it's this catch 22. Cause if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't be there to give cause there's nothing left to give. Totally. So finding that time for yourselves. Well, this is been an awesome interview thank you so much for being here and just one more time tell everybody where they can find your amazing products yay that would be (laughs) humblebebe.com um spelled humble and then bebe is b-e-b-e which is not just the french spelling it's the latin spelling also well there there you go (laughs) um so yeah humblebebe.com and then myself sarah garcia azad um and social humble baby all that good stuff so Check me out. Find us. And on Amazon, you can just literally put, there's no other Humble Baby brand. So if you just punch that into Amazon, you can see the products that I've launched and they'll kind of all pop up. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sarah. And thank you guys for listening to the Rock This Life podcast. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Rock This Life podcast. And if you want to find out more, go to www.rockthislifepodcast.com. 